They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Welcome to Two Bald Pastors, a podcast about real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call it, the ELCA. Hi, Joe. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I am feeling full of the spirit today, baby. Woo! How about you? I'm all right. <laughs> oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing well, too. I, it, I love this time of the year because we're past that really deep, cold winter um, here in New England, and we're feeling the glimpse of summer. So, But we have, yep. as most people around the country experience, gotten a lot of rain, which isn't always the greatest, but yeah, it's I'm better than to get snow. the hay baler out in my yard. <laughs> right. It's about uh, looking like that. But yep. um, maybe when we're done, the lawn may get some attention. We'll see. <laughs> There is still a sermon to write, after all. There is, there is, there is. So, uh, today we are going to start a brand new project. Woohoo! Uh, you're going to love it. It's great. We actually, actually, it's a little bit of a return to a project because we did a preaching series on it a couple of years ago. But one of my favorite books of the Bible, it's not my only favorite. I have lots of favorites, um, as my congregation knows. But we thought we would take a solid look at the book of Acts and just take as many episodes as it takes to do that across as much time as it takes us to do it. Maybe not be the exclusive thing we do in the next little bit, but just to... Uh, Dwell in the Word together with you as uh, is something that's just kind of fun because we like to do that as um, people of faith. So uh, here we are. We are starting. This is the introduction to the book of the Acts of the Apostles. Ooh, that sounds a little creepy. I don't think it's a creepy book, but... <laughs> no, it's not a creepy book. And as alluded to, it's really, as some people said, not so much about the apostles as it is about the spirit in the life of the church and uh, what it means um, for that to happen. So... And I'm glad to to do this, too, because it is one of my favorite books as well. And one of the things that I'm kind of experiencing or going through in my church right now is is looking at biblical stories and imagining what happened to folks after they encountered Jesus. And yep. really what the main theme in, in the book of Acts that I really appreciate is, you know, we, we have the Gospels that we really focus on in, as a church, so we have the, the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, but then what happened to everybody else afterwards? What, now what, what? Right, right. And so really, the book of Acts follows that and follows how the disciples came, and, and it wasn't just the 12 disciples, but it was, you know, other men and women with them, and, and they really brought that faith forward that started with uh, the person Jesus and... Uh, looking how that developed and, and really how can we develop that in our churches in our world today is just really inspiring. Yeah, I agree completely. I think, um, you know, we are in uh, an institution that is in serious uh, challenges right now, just based on the life cycle of many of our organizations um, and just kind of what that means. Uh, for a lot of people, it means being locked into a particular way we do things, the way we worship, the way we study, the way we organize, the way we think about ourselves and the world. And if you look at the book of Acts, no one has a plan. 
Right. <laughs> they are literally making it up as they go, and they're relying on each other, and they're looking to God, and uh, the Spirit is active among them. And I just find that so incredibly inspiring and freeing, just a way to maybe for us all these years later to take a step back and say, uh, not necessarily what are we doing wrong, but what can we glean from these uh early saints of the church and the way they, they tried to live out the gospel together. Right, right. And one of the things that really um, spoke to me is a, a couple weekends ago, I was taking part in our synods for leadership community, and we were um, at this workshop. The workshop dealt with the question, why? Why do yep. does your church exist? Why do you do what you do? And when we went around the tables, uh, very few of our churches could indicate why. They, they didn't have that why, you know, we are here because we've always been here, or we are here because... It, or, their, or their real mission is to keep going. Right, right, to survive. Uh, yeah, to survive, yeah. And when I think about the, the inspiration that comes from the disciples and the Acts, is their why is just to continue to do the work that God started in them, with them, through them, um, with the help of Jesus. So they they knew, and they were ready, and a lot of them gave their life in order to continue that mission, and they were so passionate about it. And to really look at how can we figure out our why, how can we re- rekindle that passion for the Church and for what we do um, around the world, um, and in our communities, and in our congregations. So I hope as we go, kind of go through this, and I expect that I will be inspired and motivated um, and excited to experience that, not only in our conversations, but also carry that out into the church. I agree. And I think, uh, you know, so many of our churches, including both of ours, uh, get concerned about, you know, number of people that are involved and um, uh, programs to keep going and financing it all and taking care of buildings and paying for staff and for all of the institutional things that we need in a 21st century North American context that they didn't have. Right. Uh, either they didn't have because nobody thought of them yet, or they didn't have the structures set, or um, they just they weren't worried about that. They were really about connecting relationally and kind of doing what they thought needed to have happen, you know, yep. and uh, sometimes really being stretched uh, to do it. I mean, the way they they took care of each other. The miracles are kind of inspiring. I think they're hard um, when we look at them all these years later, because it's like, well, we couldn't do that. Maybe we underestimate ourselves a little. But I think they're, as stories, they're examples of this faithfulness, first of all, of God to them, and then through them, faithfulness to the mission to spread the gospel. Right. And I, I think for not just... Lutheran churches in New England, but for churches in North America or in the West, where organized institutional religion as a whole is is on the decline, we've got a lot to learn uh, from a book like Acts of the Apostles. And to be honest, we don't really read it all that much. We so don't. it's it's neglected. It's neglected wisdom that um, could really just. I think. I mean, not to get all. Revy, but uh, you know, it could fire us up, right? Right, right. No, yeah. And I, I, one of the comforts I get from the book is that they don't always get it right. They do something, they try, they experiment, they think that they're going in the right direction, and then something happens that totally changes, and they go with the flow, and they say, "Okay, well, this didn't work out. Well, let's try something else." And and they weren't afraid yep. to. 
take a step back and say we need to go in a different direction and then go in that direction. So I, I, I think that it's going to be a really good thing for us to look at and to talk about. So when we look at the book of Acts, Jeff, do you have a favorite story, metaphor, character? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on some of the things that you really, really like about the book? Um, what I really remember from a couple of years ago when we preached on these stories, or at least we only got through about half of it and kind of ran out of time in the summer because we were going to do it over the summer, that a lot of these stories were completely new to people. Mm. They had never heard them before. And these are people that have been lifelong Christians. I mean, not everybody, of course, but but uh, the people that really wanted to talk about it more had been engaged in church for a better part of their lives. And so often we get, just because of the way we liturgically, you know, hear a reading from the Old Testament and we hear a letter from Paul and then we hear a gospel. And usually, I, not always, but, you know, the way our liturgy is kind of geared, it's to preach on the gospel reading. And then those are the familiar stories. So when you have stories um, that you've never heard before, that's fun. It's, yep. it's just really, really fun. The story I'm thinking of uh, in particular is the one with uh, Ananias and Sapphira, where they, they're asked to give everything they have for the cause, and they hold a little back, and they die. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about that story, too. Yeah, <laughs> And I remember an audible gasp in the room yeah. when I read that story. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is the story, <laughs> you know? And uh, it was just, it was so fun for, uh, on the presenting side of it to to watch that in people to watch their jaws drop quite literally and hear that audible <gasps> um and then be able to just kind of talk about what's that mean you know what's it mean yep. for our own discipleship especially you know in a context where we're all way over programmed and it's we've got 50 million things going on and church often becomes one thing on the list and let's be honest it's vulnerable versus it's literally your life depends on it. And that was just a really, really fun morning for me. Nice. Uh, yeah, that was good. How about yourself? Got any fun stories? I got plenty, but yeah, that's, that's probably my top uh, story. Yeah. I, I remember that as well. And I remember the shock and, and just people just couldn't believe that that actually happened. And the concern was, what if I'm holding back, you know, what is going to happen to me? And, and just kind of working through that together with people, don't drop dead. Here comes the offering. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I, I don't really remember too much about uh, so the feedback that I received, but um, the road to Damascus and, and, mm. and Saul, um, really the, the transformation that he experienced uh, when he encountered God on the road to Damascus and, and becoming Paul and, and just r- really what happened to him after that experience. I, I just love that story. I, I love that the interaction that he had and, and just the the change and it just really inspires me to to let me experience in my life and, and see the power of God in someone's life and what can truly happen. I mean, he was a persecutor of Christians, uh, but then he became one of the you know legendary people that really helped bring the church around the world and right. just imagine the possibilities for us when we feel as though we don't have that power, but the influence that one person can have in, in the life of faith is just incredible. And that that's just a constant reminder for me of the power that God can have in our lives. The last few years, um, 
I would have to check to see if it really is every year. But I, I kind of feel like this happens to me the last few years. We don't do an Ascension service. I know a lot of churches don't do Ascension in the season of Easter anymore because it falls on a Thursday and who's going to come out for that. But I've I've kind of changed the last Sunday in Easter, Easter 7, to the Ascension texts. Okay. And um, one of the stories if you that I think is kind of interesting is they find a replacement for Judas. Yep. And it's not just that they cast lots to figure out who it's going to be. To me, the the real striking part of that story is one of the qualifications they want for a uh, a new apostle among them is that has been with us since the beginning. And they choose this Matthias guy who we've never heard of before. Right. And it it's one of those things that kind of challenges your assumptions about the gospel, because usually when you hear those stories— of uh, Jesus and the teaching he's doing and the miracles he's performing and his disagreements with the religious leaders, you kind of assume the 12 guys are with him and that's the group. And you get to kind of see in Matthias anyway, it's a much larger circle than that. There are lots of people that are a part of it, even if they don't get named. And I think that can be really a good thing. You know, you just named that amazing Saul to Paul story and he's such a treasure in our tradition uh, for sure. But think of all the many countless people that aren't headliners like Paul. Right. They're just as faithful. They've been around the long, you know, they're doing the work. They're, they're trying to be faithful. They're trying to, you know, live this out in a real way. And, um, you know, we have lots of those people in our congregations. We're those people, you know, it's, it, I think it's really encouraging. Look, we've all, the circle is much bigger than we often think it is. And we all have gifts and value to share. I like that little Ascension piece with Matthias. Oh yeah, you. He never <laughs> even says anything, does he? I don't even, I have to look. I don't even think he has one one line. Yeah, I, it's never never recorded anyway that I, I can remember. But yeah, there... He needs better press, I think. <laughs> A new agent. Right. Yeah, there, there are people, even in our own congregations, who might right. not be recognized for the work that they do, do a lot of the behind the scenes. I mean, maybe that was Matthias's role is behind the scenes or whatever. And, but yeah, there are tons of, tons of opportunity to be able to recognize people like that and to lift them up. And uh, maybe that's something else we can take away from, from Max. And the other thing that uh, just an experience I had that was cool when I was in seminary, I had uh, uh, Dr. Craig Kester as one of my new Testament profs. And when we went through Acts, one of the things he did is, you know, we'd get to like one of Paul's stories and then he would say, you know, he was in Ephesus and then we would stop and then we would look at Ephesians and kind of connect the narrative to the correspondence. And that was, I mean, I know they come out of different genres and different times probably, but that was kind of a cool way to connect the dots for me and just how these early communities kind of functioned. Right. Uh, as this kind of loose network. And I find that really kind of amazing is even from the beginning, these little churches are not independent. They're they're always kind of in relationship, even if it's not as clearly defined probably as we would want it to be today. But right. we can learn from that, too, I think, especially in North America. Right, right. And that that's cool, too. I, ha- I actually haven't done that before of really just kind of taking a look at uh, where where Paul is and and kind of looking at the letters and seeing how they correspond with one another. That's a really neat idea. Yeah, it was fun. It was really really fun. I'd like to do that with people. I think. Yeah. So those of you who are listening to this podcast, Jeff and I would love to hear 
from you what your experiences with the books of ACT is. Uh, one of the things that I, I know I would love, and, and Jeff probably too, is if you have questions, if you look Absolutely. at something and, and maybe follow along with us and say, hey, uh, I read chapter three of, of the book of Acts, and I have these questions, and we would love to hear from you and, and really uh, answer those questions on this podcast and, and just have a little dialogue that way. I know that would be a very helpful thing for me to have something to to kind of go towards and, and to do as we go through this series. And and like Jeff said, we're not going to be going through this series um, one right after another. You know, that is our, our hope is to get through and to continue to work through this. But in the meantime, we might have, you know, a, a guest come on. We, we're still in conversation with a few folks about coming on the podcast and, and lifting up what they are doing in uh, their life and their ministry. So um, we're going to be going through that. Uh, process as well. And so we might be some breaks here and there, but we'll, we'll keep you updated as far as what is happening in the book of Acts. And, uh, you know, so check out our Facebook page too, to see where we're at with things. Yeah, I know. Um, just another thing just to lift up as we kind of seem to be pulling it together here now is, uh, you know, we're Lutheran pastors. We come out of this tradition of reform. And it seems that, um, I don't know, the longer I do this work, I kind of feel like, you know what, reform isn't enough. We need a new Pentecost movement. Yeah. We need the spirit yeah. to just come to us and unleash us in a whole new way. And I think the best way to do it is to go back to the source. And, um, you know, here are those early stories of those early Christians trying to figure it out. And uh, we can figure it out alongside them. So, Come along with us. We, uh, we're taking a tour through the book of Acts and the early church and what it might mean for us. Just to maybe extend this a little bit with uh, just the question of, of talking about the Spirit. I mean, yep. like you said, we, have, we don't really talk about that too much in our churches. Well, once a year at least. Right? Yeah, well, once a year, yeah. But I think that's something we should be talking about more. Uh, so yeah. how does that really work for you in your context, Jeff? Is that you know, if you were to go up and, and have, uh, you know, week after week talk about the Spirit and the Spirit's activity and in your life in the church, is that something people would really resonate with? Or do you think they'd be like, who is this crazy guy and what did he do, do with our pastor? Well, they normally kind of say, who is this crazy guy to me? So that <laughs> wouldn't be too much different. <laughs> They've come to accept me and love me for who I am. I think, well, I look to, um, I think it's Acts 2.42, which is right after the Pentecost story. Again, we rarely read this. You hear that story of Pentecost and Peter preaching and then, you know, having this vision of, you know, dreaming dreams and seeing visions and the Spirit being poured out. But right after that, it says, um, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of the bread and prayer. So what is that about? I think in our kind of Lutheran wordy way, we could say, you know, it's, it's, it's word and sacrament, it's prayer, it's service in the community. Um, the things we do, but it, it, the things we do, I think often we don't think about them in our life of the spirit. We think of them as, as rote or procedural. Mm -hmm. So I think we should anticipate hope and pray for the spirit to show up in the things that we do that we call church. And, uh, anticipate God doing something with us rather than us just kind of plodding along, which I think is just seems to be the way we do it most of the time. Um, and I don't mean that as a knock on anybody. I think it just, if we don't expect the spirit to show up, why would the spirit show up? Right. Or why right. would we actually, to put it better, of course the spirit shows up, but why would we notice? 
um, if we're not even looking there. So, yeah, I think uh, at least I learned in seminary, the spirit works in all kinds of many, many ways. But the ways that we are assured that the spirit shows up is as we open the scriptures, as we share baptism and communion, as we pray and as we witness. So we can definitely go to those places, I think, and uh, really rely on God to stir us up. Yep. And uh, I, th- I think that's kind of the missing piece in churches a lot is just the to get back to your why. Why are we doing this? We're not just doing it to keep the church alive or to have something to do. I mean, we're doing this because God's calling us into the world and we better anticipate that God wants that to happen. Right. Right. Yeah. And I question sometimes how we can get away with, so to speak, of just really not recognizing the spirit as much as we do. Uh, you know, in, in most churches, Lutheran churches, you know, we, we recite the creed in some sort of fashion, and we right. specifically talk about the spirit in that. But it is very rare for me to to look at that and, and really recognize it because the spirit acts differently. I think in your life compared to my life, and and the lives of the people in our church. So if we say that the Spirit is going to act and, and do a certain thing, well, what if that doesn't happen to me? Does that mean that the Spirit is not within me, the Spirit is not active? And I think that's another theme that, that I like to explore during this series and just talk about in general is, you know, how, how can the Spirit be moving in us, and, and what are different ways that we can recognize that as the Holy Spirit, and, and how is the Spirit moving within our churches when we see that many of our churches are in a decline or even closing is the spirit still active in that, and, and in what way? I think too, not to jump around, but you know, there's that line in Galatians. You know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, self-control. You know, when we see those things happening around us, we should name that as the spirit at work. As hard as it is to see, that stuff is still happening in lots of ways, and uh, we we really have to name it. I think. Yep, I totally agree. And train people into it too. I mean, it's not. I mean, there's. Sometimes I think we we just think of the spirit as like this uh, cosmic energy or something that just kind of hits you and then you can do whatever you want. But um, I, I think there's there's some discipleship involved too. It's there's some skills to learn. There's some practices to to be enveloped, and um, you know we can cultivate among ourselves too. I think I don't know these things kind of all fit together. I'm hoping they do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll get to it. Well, you know, I'm excited about this, and I think that it's going to be a great uh, series for for this podcast. And I hope that you who are listening can uh, get some value out of it, and and maybe even share some of this with people that you know, uh, people that might may be interested in uh, a book study. Maybe you're doing something with Acts this summer in your congregation, and would like to share it with folks there. Uh, we'd be happy to talk about that and, and, and to see how this can be benefit you and your church. One last suggestion before we sign off here is I would suggest, even if you don't come along with us on this journey, read the book of Acts from front to back. Uh, normally, even when we do things in church and when we do it on this podcast, just because of time, we're going to take one little story at a time and work through it. But the do this with the Gospels, too, is if you just read it as one continue a story from front to back and just see the things that you pick up and the questions that you have and the themes that resonate and 
you know, your assumptions that are challenged, I think it'll be of great, great benefit. Yes, I, I totally agree with that. And if you would like to follow us on this journey, my suggestion is to read the first chapter. Uh, and we will go over that the next time we get together and uh, post this podcast. But we will talk about that. So if you want to kind of be in on, on the discussion and um, as you read through it, send us any of your questions. Uh, twobaldpastors at gmail.com would be a great place to send it to us. And we will get that and we will review those questions and then we will talk about it in our next episode. So go ahead and read. Uh, have any questions, send it to us or just send it to us on our Facebook page, facebook.com yep. backslash two bald pastors. We will have a little feedback button also on our website, two bald pastors.com. So uh, let us know what you're thinking, where you're at and what you may be excited about in this series. Cause we'd love to hear from you. We, again, we are the two bald pastors helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinabaldo. Have a great day and be blessed. Bye now. Good. Right, that was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah that good. was good. That was good. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Just think, people will be walking around, flames on top of their head. <laughs> Oops, I just knocked the pot above my head, and if that clunked me, that would that would really be that something. would be. That would be the work of the Spirit. <laughs> no, that's me just being my clumsy self. <laughs>